Helen Keller once said, never bend your head, always hold it high and look the world straight in the eye. Good morning everyone and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a purpose with Jonathan and Rick. The objective of our program is to discuss with you our listeners thought-provoking and meaningful topics based on the Bible. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly and we certainly look forward to hearing your point of view. For those of you who may be listening for the first time, our perspective is this. We believe that there is one God, and through him there is one truth, which is found in the Bible. Our purpose is to stir your thinking up along with ours as we continually search for clarity and understanding this one truth. While we are not here to teach, we are here to seriously provoke your thinking according to Hebrews 10.24, which is the theme for our program. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. This provoking is encouraged by Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together. We look to frame our comments in the context of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 and 21. Quench not the spirit, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And the only end result we seek to accomplish is to bring praise, honor, and glory to God our Father and Jesus our Lord. And if you'd like to contact us or suggest a topic for a future program and win a Christian Questions travel mug, here's what you do. You write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320, or check us out on the web at www.christianquestions.net. And if you do have a Christian question or want to reopen a previously aired topic, let us know and we will see what we can do. So on behalf of Jonathan, my co-host... Good morning, Rick. And Sean, the guy behind the board. Good morning, gentlemen. We want to welcome you to this hour of our program. And Jonathan, it's been a week. It has. It's been an amazing week. We started the week out with a major, major snowstorm and ended the week with a major, major tragedy. That's right. So uh, this morning our our program is a little bit more of a uh, a subdued nature. Yes, it is. uh, As a result of this this recent tragedy over in Rhode Island at the uh, nightclub. So, um, first of all, last week, though. Last week, uh, because it was so close to Valentine's Day, we talked about, do love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage? And we found out that they do. Yes. They belong together, and... uh, Old old Blue Eyes was right. Old Blue Eyes, he had it right on that one, anyway. (laughs) And uh, it's it's an important part of, of life, and when you look at the institution of marriage that we firmly believe is a... God-invented institution, you uh, realize how powerful and sacred that is, and what it what a incredible value it adds to life when we um, look at our, our lives through the eyes of commitment and dedication. And this morning, Jonathan, we've got some serious things to talk about. Yes, we do. Our question is: When tragedy strikes, where is God? And our theme text is found in Psalms chapter 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Jonathan, life is full of tragedy, and we've seen that this week. Every day, each and every day, thousands of people experience tragic events of all kinds. There are the tragedies of broken homes, drugs, abuse, sickness, sorrow, war, terrorism, and death, and some tragedies hit closer to home than others. This past Thursday, the 21st of February, was one such tragedy. Ninety-six people died in a nightclub fire just over there in Rhode Island. Among the casualties was a friend of WSUB, and more specifically, a friend of ours. Mel worked with 
your company, Jonathan. That's right. Cleaning the radio station on a weekly basis. So he was always here, and everybody knew him. That's right. Um, without warning, his life, like the lives of 95 others, were just taken away suddenly and in a very untimely manner. So the question is, why do these things happen? If God loves us, and he does, then why does he allow tragedy? This morning, we'll pay our respects to our friend Mel and to the others that were lost in this tragedy. And we will also look at the Bible, because that's what we do. And we want to trace the answer to that haunting question, when tragedy strikes, where is God? So folks, if you have a thought, give us a call at 443-9782-443-WSUB. If you have a thought on our question, if you have a thought on the situation, something you'd like to say to the family of Mel or the family of any of the others who we don't know who they are at this point that, that perhaps have um, have been lost, feel free to do so. We'd uh, welcome your uh, contribution. So Jonathan, as we go through our, our, our scriptural viewpoint of this um, tragedy, what are the questions we want to ask? All right, our first question, does God really care about us? Second question, is God able to stop the evil and the tragedy of this world? Third question, what do we do in the face of tragedy? How do we find hope? And the last question, what is God's plan in all of this? So folks, that's our agenda this morning. We want to take some time. We want to seriously consider the, um, the difficulty that so many of you must be going through in dealing with such a... Uh, you know, it's one of those unforeseen events. It's one of those things that happens and you say, you just sit there and you shake your head and you say, how, how, how did that happen? And all of that will be answered in time. And it happens uh, right, right in our own backyard. Right, right. And again, so close. it affects people that we know. Yes. And uh, Mel was a friend of yours. Oh, yes, he was. Yeah, uh, he'll be missed. And um, he, he had a lot of friends. He was a, a great guy. So this program, as we mentioned, is, is dedicated to Mel, to his family, and to the others who uh, uh, are experiencing the same kind of difficulty. Grief, grief and sadness. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So let's get started, Jonathan. Does God really care about us? Well, why don't we take a look at some scriptures. Let's read Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6. And God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And in that scripture, Jonathan, it's, it's in the context of the great flood, and uh, it says that God was grieved at his heart. Mm -hmm. And that, that, I don't know, that to me that gives you a picture of the emotion. Sometimes I think the only emotions we think of God as having is anger. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. And because when when difficulties happen, you know, the 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 knee-jerk reaction is to blame God or to be mad at God. Uh, and God did this and and I think God values life more than any being that was ever born. And he, I, he I think created right, it. Right, right. He loved it so much. So, and I think that's a good a good way to to put it. God values life beyond anything we can comprehend. That's right. Let's look at look at a few of the other scriptures here that we have. And what these scriptures are doing, they're showing us God's emotion in relation to His creation, the the, the human race. Well, Rick, let's read Exodus three verse seven. And the Lord said, 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So he's saying, I heard their cry, I know their sorrows. God is identifying with his people and saying... He feels for them. Right, and he's going to pull them out right. of their difficulty, but not before the time. Good point. So two things that I think are going to flow through, hopefully flow through this program this morning, Jonathan. One is we're looking to, to bring hope yes. to a very difficult situation. And the second thing is that hope is based in God's time frame, not ours. Good point. So anyway, let's go, go through these scriptures. All right, let's read Jeremiah 9, verses 17 and 18. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider ye, and call for the morning women, that they may come, and send for cunning women, that they may come, and let them make haste, and take up a wailing for us, that our eyes may run down with tears, and our eyelids gush out with waters. So this is talking about God crying. Yes, it is. And it's, it's, it's talking that our, that our eyes may run down with tears. And many have been shed over this past week that's for sure and it's interesting because we obviously believe that you know man was created in God's image right and if man was created in God's image and man has got such capability for feeling and for emotion then certainly God has the same and and these are evidences these are that scriptural evidences yeah. next one all right jeremiah 32 verses verse 35 and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. When God talks about things as abomination, he means business. <laughs> so they were sacrificing children on an altar of fire to right. kill them, to offer them to a, a false god, Molech. To an idol. Right. Oh, um, and and what was God's response? God's response is, "This is hideous. This is this is an abomination." It never my came sight. into his mind that people would stoop this low. <laughs> so oh. so, what we're seeing is God does have a a a sense about us and a care for us as as a race. We're mm-hmm. looking at it kind of in the bigger picture, general we'll, sense, right? Okay. And we'll narrow it down as we as we move through the program. One more scripture, though, that I think that really ties in. Oh yeah. God's emotion in relation to us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I think that that scripture... Remember we were talking last week uh, about love and the different kinds of love. Mm -hmm. And remember there is one kind of love that is a a selfless love. The agape love? Right. It's it's not interested for personal gain. It's interested... strictly in the other party. Right. Well, when it says God so loved the world, mm-hmm. that's what it's talking about. Wow. God gave the greatest thing that he could give to the world, and like I said earlier, the hope lies in the fact that there is a resurrection. Yes, there is. Because God gave that gift. Right. And it's coming in God's time. Mm-hmm. And as bad as tragedy and difficulty is, we have that promise. And it's a... That's a big promise. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's a that's a big, that's, big it's thing. It's a guarantee. And that's you know that's, that sounds better than promise. We have that guarantee. Like the guarantee is that this resurrection will happen because God sent Jesus because His love for the world was so great that He could do nothing else but Wh- send His best. Right. Right. So, 
does God care about us? Yes, he does. I think those scriptures show that God cares about us. So the next question then, is God able to stop the evil and the tragedy of this world? Now, as we look at that, there's you can look at God four different ways. Okay. Okay. The first way would be God is not able to stop the evil and tragedy of this world and doesn't want to. Oh, I don't like that one. <laughs> oh, we're picking, huh? So what's the second way? The second is God is not able to stop the evil and tragedy of the world and does want to. So it's going on. He would love to stop it, but he's not capable. Okay. The third way of looking at it is God is able to stop the evil and tragedy of this world, but he just doesn't want to. Do you like that one? No. <laughs> How about the fourth one? God is able and willing to stop the evil and tragedy of this world. So we've got those four choices in, in terms of looking at God and the way our world works and the difficulties that our world faces. So as we go into this break, the question we've got to ask is, which one of those four do you think God adheres to? This is Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUV. This program is dedicated to Mel and his family and all those that were lost in the tra tragedy. Uh, our prayers are with the families. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUV with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this segment, When Tragedy Strikes, Where is God? To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUV. And Jonathan, we are taking some time to talk about the, not to talk about the tragedy itself, uh, the, the fire in the uh, Rhode Island nightclub, but we want to talk about what do we do with it? What do you do with it? How do you handle it? Because there, there were a lot of people from this area that were out there. That's right. We don't know what the, what, what the, what the count is from here yet. We just know that a lot of people from this area were there. And there's got to be a lot of people that are hurting and shocked by all of this. And, and, and what we want to do is look at this and say, well, how do you handle it? And I think that there's a great answer if you can, you can find faith and hope. And that's what we're trying to do this morning is to help, help everybody focus on the faith and the hope aspect of it because you've got so much else to deal with. And Rick, we're on our second question. Is God able to stop the evil and tragedy of this world? And we, just before the break, gave four potential ways that God could be. He's not able to stop it, and he doesn't want to. You said you didn't like that one. No, I don't. Okay, and then God is not able, but he does want to. Did you like that one? No. You didn't like that? <laughs> God is able, but he doesn't want to. I don't like that either. How about God is able and will? Yeah, I like that one. Okay, now it's, it's good to like it. Mm -hmm. That's good, but it's another thing to believe it. There you go. And the big question is, why do we believe it? And the big answer is because the Bible tells us. So let's talk about God is able, and let's talk about God is willing. Why don't we read Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Interesting thing about this scripture, a lot of interesting things, but, but one thing that really jumps out at me is way back then there was an understanding, a prophetic understanding of the cycle of weather. 
Oh, yeah. Because it says the rain and snow comes out from heaven, and then it goes back. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the, the cycle. That's a scientific cycle that would not we wouldn't think that would have been known back then. But you see, Isaiah is speaking that very plainly. Mm-hmm. But he's drawing that analogy to say the rain and snow goes down from heaven for a purpose. It goes down from heaven to water the earth. It goes down to do what it's supposed to. And God is saying, my word is exactly the same way. What I say I will do is what it's saying. My words bring results, period. Yep. There's no question. There's no second thought. There's no wondering. God doesn't change. And just like you said before, it's a guarantee. Yes. So when we look at that and we say, okay, there's a guarantee behind the words of God, well, what does that mean to us? Well... Let's take a look at a few scriptures that talk about God being able. Because remember, said God is able. Mm-hmm. And that phrase is used just a few times in, in, in the Bible. Let's look at, at, at a few of those. Let's read Luke chapter 3, verse 8. Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So Jesus is talking about a... a, a uh, He's giving the, the, the Pharisees a, a real call to reality, saying, you think you're so hot, mm-hmm. <laughs> but God is able to, from these stones, draw children for him. God is a lot bigger and a lot more powerful than you're giving him credit for. That's, that's the point. message there. Good point. Romans 11.23, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. And that's talking about the the, uh, the Jews that had strayed away. And he's, uh, the apostle is saying that they can be pulled back in, even into favor with God, even though it looks like it's impossible. God is able to do that. How about Romans 14, verse 4? Who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So God can work with us and help us to stand in times of difficulty. God can do that. He is able. Second Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, also having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I love that scripture. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And God's grace is God's unmerited favor. So when, he's, when the scripture says he's able to make his grace abound towards you. That's a good thing. That's incredible. We like that. Stand in line for that one. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that, that gives a lot of hope. So God is able. Not only is, able, is he able, but in the, that Isaiah scripture we started out with, mm-hmm. we have a guarantee that when God says he's going to do something, he, he does, does it. it. That's right. So now let's take a look at how God will. All right. Let's read First Timothy 2, verses 3 through 6. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now see, you put that scripture in the context of that Isaiah scripture. The guarantee. Right. Okay. When when God says, this is what I'm going to do, and it's going to happen, and then you said he will have... A few men to be saved. No, 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 no. My favorite word, all men. Never get away with it. He will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And that word knowledge is a complete knowledge. Right. It's a full discernment. Yes. So the saving, and we're not going to get into a big 
deep discussion on this this morning, but the saving here and coming to a knowledge of the truth is showing us that there is a salvation for everybody. Right, for all. So so let's put that in context. Go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Not only is it, I mean, God's got it all thought out. Right. It, it, this, this is a done deal. He's got it thought out, and he said it. And so when God thinks it and says it, you know it's going to happen because that's right. just the way he works. Good point. How about 2 Timothy 2, verse 25? In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And also read that Hebrews 2, 9. Okay. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So there's another phrase that talks about the every man concept. Yes. So, so bottom line, what we're talking about here, the salvation to all men is talking about this, the, the resurrection that, that comes because of Jesus' life and Jesus' death. So put that in the context of what we're talking about last Thursday's tragedy in 90. Uh, 96 people lost their lives there. What we're saying is, you, you, you think about a batting average, you know, the guy went one for three, or the guy went two for five, mm-hmm. or it was a doubleheader, he went four for seven, and he had a great day. God is 96 for 96 on this. Okay, 96 people lost their lives, 96 people are going to see a resurrection. That's right. God is able, and he will. Because he said so. Right. End of story. See, to me, that gives us hope. Because we know God is able, and we know God will. It's like Sean said, it's a done deal, because that's what he said. That's why we can have the hope that we have as we uh, deal with such things as, as we're, we're looking at. So, so, Jonathan, what do we do in the face of tragedy? How, how do we find hope? I mean, it's great to say it. It's great to, to philosophize about it from a scriptural standpoint. It's great to talk about God. But what do we do in terms of dealing with each other... What should our reactions be as we look upon the victims and their families? How, how do we act? Well, there's a, a lot of ways that we should act. And why don't we look at um, the first, at empathy uh, for those, those victims and their families. Why don't we read Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there's a great message of hope in that scripture because it says that Jesus can sympathize with us in all ways. So our hearts should go out to those families and those victims because we've gone through tragedies and experiences in our lives and our hearts should be welling to, to, to be there for them. And there's a difference. It's interesting. It says that Jesus can sympathize because he's gone through every aspect. I don't know what it's like to go through the things that some of these folks are going through now, to, to have lost a loved one, to have lost a spouse, perhaps you know, right. like, like yes. Mel's, Mel's wife. Yeah. You know, how, how do you deal with that? And I can't sympathize with that because I don't understand it. All I know is it's painful and it hurts. And so that's why we put empathy mm-hmm. here because to empathize, you're at least trying to reach in and have a, a connection yes. even though you don't have the personal experience. 
Yeah, I lost my oldest sister uh, in, in a tragedy uh, early on when uh, I found the Lord. And that was a very difficult experience. But I learned from it and um, I was able to be helpful to my family and, and others. And, and that's important because you can take that, take that, that dealing with that loss and you can transfer that and understand. Yes. And so some of us can, because of our experiences, some of us can, can merely look in and be as, as understanding as we possibly can be. So that's one way. Empathy is one way to, um, to, for us to, to, to communicate and, and deal with and help those folks out. How about a second way? Hope. And we're going to talk a lot about this later, but let's talk yeah. a little bit about hope right now. Let's read Psalms 31, verses 22 through 24. I had said in my alarm... I am driven far from your sight, but you heard my supplications when I cried out to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts haughtily. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And there it is. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you that wait for the Lord. Because if you're waiting for the Lord, the Lord comes. And there's that hope. And without without hope, Life is miserable. For sure. So hope is an important thing that we can, we can bring. You know, hope for tomorrow, hope for better understanding, hope for the ability to cope. Those are the kinds of things that we want to be able to bring uh, to, to the table to, to those who are uh, suffering at this point. How about another scripture on hope? All right, let's read Psalm 71, verses 1 through 6. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. And that verse 5 is great. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. And so the psalmist is, is, is showing us that this hope has carried him through his life. And for a lot of people, that may not be the case. Right. It may that's not be true. the case. It's they're, they're looking at that, and that's foreign, those, they're listening, they hear that, and that's foreign language to them. But the, the, the great news is that, especially in terms of looking to God and loving God and giving, looking to God for our hope... It's never too late to start, no matter where you've been, no matter what your situation is. And sometimes hope has to come when we're flat on our back and there's no place else to look but up. That's for sure. And for a lot of people, I imagine that's the situation that they're in. What's, what, else, what else do we bring in, in dealing with such tragedy? Well, mourning. Uh, let's read Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There you have it again. There's a there's a a promise that Jesus is speaking about that those who mourn will be comforted. Now again, that comfort may not come immediately, but it will come. I mean, understand the comfort of of having suffered a loss and then being able to be reunited with that person you lost. Wow. There, you can't get a better comfort than <laughs> oh, that. Oh, for sure. And I think that that is a comfort that as we mentioned earlier, that, that Jesus promised and gave to us through his life and through his death. That's what, that's what he came for. That's, that, was all, that, that scripture was the whole 
essence of the um, of, of understanding how to find comfort in mourning. What else? What else can we bring? How about support? I think that's a good one. All right. Why don't we read Philippians four verse eight? Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And I think that's a really good scripture under the heading of support, because what it does, support helps to focus on the good things. Support helps to move forward. Mm -hmm. And what the scripture is saying is, think on things that are honorable, that are just, that are pure, that are pleasing to God, that are commendable, because those help you to move forward. Mm -hmm. And we all have points in our lives where we get stuck mentally and emotionally get stuck in the mud and go round and round and round. And, and, and through support of our friends and our neighbors and our families, hopefully we can move forward and, and grow from the experience. And it, it almost sounds callous to say that, well, you want to grow from this experience. Well, understand, that's why we put mourning before support. Mm -hmm. all things in time, right. but this is something that is critically important because we have to find the the uh, the benefit to our character. It's not a benefit to our lives necessarily because it hurts, but the benefit to our character from the growth that we can get. Another great scripture, Rick, Romans 12, verses 12 through uh, 15. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. There you go. Get get onto somebody's wavelength. Yes. Work, walk alongside of them and, and feel the the experience so you can walk through it with them. You know, it may not be yours. But that doesn't matter. Support is so helpful for it, those that need it. And you know that because you've mm -hmm. been there. And, That's right. And, and, I, and, you know, I haven't had this particular kind of experience, but I've had others that have been very, very, very uh, difficult. And I will tell you flat out that support is the thing that keeps you going. Knowing that even if people don't really grasp it, but knowing that they're there trying to help you out mm -hmm. is an incredibly important part of this whole thing. Um, Sean, actually, we, we should hit the break at this point. We're talking about dealing with tragedy. What can we bring to those who've suffered through it? This is Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUB. Grab your Bibles. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUB with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this segment, When Tragedy Strikes, Where is God? To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUV. And we're dedicating this program to Mel and his family, our friend, and also to all the families that have lost loved ones in this tragedy in Rhode Island. And Jonathan, we are talking about what can we bring to the table uh, during such times? What can we as, as onlookers and like for you specifically, I didn't know Mel personally, but uh, you talked about him frequently. So what do we bring to those who've, who've suffered such loss? And, and it's difficult because you want to bring so much because your just heart just, just goes out to them. And, and, it's, and it's so unnatural 
what they're dealing with. It's so sudden, it's so un unforeseen, and that's what makes it so difficult. That's for sure. And I understand we have a call. Yes, welcome to Christian Questions. This is Jonathan and Rick. Who are we speaking with? Gentlemen, good morning. This is Julius. Good, good morning, morning, Julius. Yeah, I, first of all, I want to express my sympathy, uh, empathy for the families of the victims of this, this terrible fire. I, I appreciate your uh, sensitivity to it, your compassion. And uh, secondly, uh, I, I certainly agree with your uh, take on this. Uh, our God is very... Very concerned, very loving. Uh, I, I think at the very beginning you mentioned how he's loving beyond our comprehension. Mm -hmm. I think that's what uh, uh, we agree and I think we, we promote and we expound on. And if there is any challenge to us, a Christian or Christians, it is to know what our God is like. Uh, you remember in... Uh, uh, Acts the seventeenth chapter, uh, when the apostle Paul was on Mars Hill, he he noticed among all the gods that they worshipped the the Athenians, there was uh, a statue to the unknown god. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see that's that's what we're we're trying to do. I that's what your program does every Sunday morning. I, I'm delighted to join in a little bit with you. Find out what this god is is like. Uh, beautiful saying years ago I heard was that the most the most profound truths are simple. And just a couple of uh, quick scriptures or thoughts. That is, we, uh, we understand, no doubt, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that we die, we're cursed, because God punished Adam and Eve. Are you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Die and thou shalt surely die. God said that, and it came to pass. No doubt about it. The same God... They said that promises the resurrection. Right. Promises that death will be destroyed. Promises that all tears will be wiped away. If we believe the first, then we see it fulfilled. Certainly. Don't you think the second will be? Great point. Absolutely. I, I like Revelation 21.4. You know, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. So, so uh, I, I thank you for... Uh, sharing the, uh, the beautiful thoughts that uh, God's promises. God bless. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate Thank your you. input, Julius. Lord bless. Lord bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a good point that he made, that uh, we believe, obviously, in the curse, and sin and death is all around us. So we ought to believe in the rest of God's statement. Right. Because God is able, and he will. He will. So, Jonathan, back to what else can we bring to those who deal with and have to suffer through tragedy. How about kindness? Kindness is a great thing. Oh, it is. Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it... We saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing. And when was it when we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. So Jesus is giving us a very compelling argument for 
just having an open heart in our lives. And kindness is, a, is a, an expression of that open heart. There's a song we used to sing at the youth camp, Try a Little Kindness. Mm. And I think about that when I read this scripture. Oh, yeah. It certainly works. What else? How about compassion? I think that's important. Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And it's interesting in this scripture, compassion is a great study. When you look at compassion in the scriptures and you also look at compassion in relation to Jesus, because there were times where Jesus was being pressed beyond what he should have been pressed. Drawn from, and he's tired and he needs a little bit of time away, but the crowds, every time the crowds pressed him, the scripture says, and he had compassion on them. He would look at them and say, I can imagine his thoughts were, they need me more than I need to, to, to regroup. And, and he, would just, he would just give a little bit more. And that's, that's, to me, that's what compassion is. It's that giving a little bit more, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's uncomfortable. That's what people in, in, in difficulty and tragedy need, and that's what Jesus did. That, I mean, that's our example. And if you notice, most of these things we're talking about, we give an example of Jesus doing exactly what we're saying we ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. How about another scripture on compassion? First Peter 3, 8, and 9. Finally, all of you who have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind, do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you are called, that you might inherit a blessing. So, if you love one another, have a tender heart, and a humble mind, compassion will come from you. And what a, what a great thing that is. Next, uh, the next, next one, giving. How important is that? And read, read that scripture. Okay. This is, this is one of the greatest giving scriptures. We touched on it earlier. One of the greatest giving scriptures you'll ever hear anywhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So in that scripture, not only do we have... God's giving of Jesus. Right. Very, very clearly, very plainly. But Jesus, these are Jesus' words. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying that, now Jesus knew why he was sent. I mean, let, let, let's understand something oh, really, yeah. really plain here. Jesus knew his mission. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm here. God didn't send me, the Son, into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And remember when God sends something or says something, it's probably going to happen. He will do it. It's not, see, I got you. It's not going to probably happen. <laughs> it's it, definitely it, going to happen. Deal. That's right. I tried, oh. to, tried to slide one in on you. You did. <laughs> but Jesus is the center of the plan of God. And yes. let, let's play that little piece of music we that him? everybody's familiar with, I think. Yes. Makes the point about the friendship of Jesus.
And that was What a Friend We Have in Jesus by Amy Grant. And uh, just one little verse, but it makes the point, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So important to, to have that giving attitude in terms of uh, those who are uh, suffering and going through difficulty. What else can we bring, Jonathan? We can bring courage to those facing tragedy. And why don't we read Philippians 4, 12, and 13. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What a great scripture. What a great scripture. And there's another scripture, Romans 8, 35 to 39. It talks about who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Uh, It talks about that. I'm convinced, I'm paraphrasing, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that includes tragedy, Jonathan. Oh, it does. Nothing can separate us. And if we have that conviction, we can bring, bring courage to those who've gone through difficulty. That's right. That's right. So this is a time that we really need to pull together. Yes, we do. People that you know that have gone through difficulty need your help. They need your support. And we need to be able to, to, to give that as, as well as we can. And it's also a time to take things one day at a time. That's right. Because it's too difficult to take more than that. You got it. And we have a piece of music along those lines? Yes, we do. One Day at a Time. By Mel Haggart. So for my sake 
One Day at a Time by Mel Haggard. And Jonathan, I think that's probably a good point to end on for the uh, first hour of the program because right now, for a lot of us, it is a one day at a time thing. Sometimes it's a moment-by-moment thing. That's right. It's a tragedy. It's a difficulty uh, for those who have lost friends and family members suddenly. And, again, what we're looking to do here this morning, folks, is talk to you about it from the standpoint of where is God in all this? And I'll tell you, as we get into the second hour after the news and all that stuff, we're going to see the, the, the glorious plan that God has in place. And that plan can give every one of us, without exception, no matter who you are, no matter what your faith is, no matter what your background is, give us all hope. And that's what this program is about. For Jonathan and Rick, this is Christian Questions. We'll be back in a few minutes. Think about it. who sows seeds of kindness enjoys a perpetual harvest. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. The objective of our program is to discuss with you, our listeners, thought-provoking and meaningful topics based on the Bible. It is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly, and we certainly look forward to hearing your point of view. Jonathan. Yes, Rick. We are talking about a very difficult subject this morning. Yes, Rick, uh, we are. And our question this morning is, When tragedy strikes, where is God? And our theme text is found in Psalms 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And, Jonathan, in the first hour, we... First of all, our objective is, is twofold, this program. First... Uh, it is. We are dedicating this program to our friend Mel, who was lost in that fire. Yes. Uh, he was a. Uh, he worked with you. That's right. And uh, worked here at the radio station. He did. Cleaning the uh, studios of uh, SUB and Q105 um, every week. 
Yes. So everybody here knew Mel. Oh, yeah. Everybody liked him. And Well, he's a likable guy. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, he was he was lost in that in that uh, fire. And also we want to dedicate this to the uh, families of those others who were lost, even 95 others, because it's got to be just a difficult, difficult thing to deal with, uh, such, such a loss that is so unforeseen. And we're talking about tragedy, and when tragedy strikes, where is God? And... and what we're trying to do, the second part of this thing, is is, is we want to bring hope that God is there, that God does have a plan, and that God's plan encompasses everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter what your background is, God has a plan for you. We believe that, and we believe that because we believe it's in the Bible, and that's what we're focusing on here. And Rick, we ended the first session with a song, uh, One Day at a Time, by Mel Haggart. And um, how important is that right now, especially for the victims of the tragedy? Sometimes that's all you can do. All you can do is, is, is one day at a time, or like we mentioned, one hour at a time sometimes, mm-hmm. just to get through it. Uh, but you had mentioned something also. Not only is it important for, for those of us who are looking in to empathize uh, and, and to help those, those individuals go through one day at a time, but there's a great concept in that song about one day at a time for those of us who haven't suffered a tragedy. That's right. We should appreciate each day, value the life, the family, all the blessings that God gives us because we may not have tomorrow. So do everything you can to to appreciate life one day at a time. And it, it, it comes home when you think about that and you think about in, in the context of, of tragic circumstances and you think, well, what would happen? What would my reaction be if my spouse didn't come home? Well, how would I react? Would I, what regrets would I have? And when you look at things like that, what mm-hmm. you, maybe one of the things we want to do is say, hey, if I, if I would, maybe I should fix those regrets. Just because you keep things as clear as possible as we as we move forward, so it's a time that that we really need to. Whenever tragedy strikes, it's always appropriate to, to kind of pull together and that's right and and, and move forward. Well, let's read a scripture, uh, Ecclesiastes three verses one through eight. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, and a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. And in all of those times and seasons, again, it's one day at a time that we can get through such things. But th- this is so eloquently put in, in Ecclesiastes that there is a time for everything. And right now, the overall time that we're in is a time of sadness, not only because of, of, of immediate tragedies, but just the world around us is full of sadness and sorrow and sickness and death and that but that's not the end did you notice that in all of these these uh, these 
these times in Ecclesiastes, you know, after the time to break down is the time to build up. Yes. After the time to weep is a time to laugh. Always showing hope. Right. After a time to mourn is a time to dance. After a time to throw away stones is a time to gather them together. I mean, all of those things are, 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 are coming together. And there's, there, there's, a, there's a great ending. And, and that's really what we're looking for. But in this time, we need to have that encouragement that's necessary to get through it. And, and there's another great section of scripture that gives us a lot of encouragement. Why don't you read, read through that? Yeah, that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountains, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus gives a lot of encouragement along the lines of the difficulties of life and the compensating blessing. And sometimes that blessing doesn't come right away. Sometimes it's disguised, but it's there, and that's what Jesus is saying. So it's a time when we've got to go through um, awkwardness sometimes. But again, the, the end result is always good. Uh, Jonathan, we're talking about hope. And there's a quote. I don't know where I got it from. Somebody, it's not mine, that's for sure. It's smarter than me. But uh, it says, if you go through life with no hope, you have no life. But if you go through life with a great hope, then you have a great life. And I think that that really kind of solidifies the idea that hope is just kind of a central portion of humanity. That's right. And there's some great scriptures that talk about hope and how important it is to us. And how we find it in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. So you've got faith, hope, and love. And also Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So you find hope through faith. Right. So let's take a few minutes and just talk about faith. And folks, if you have a thought, give us a call at 443-9782, 443-WSUB. If you have a thought on the, the overall subject of when tragedy strikes, where is God? We're talking about faith and hope right now. If you want to say something in relation to the, uh, the recent tragedy of last Thursday, the, uh, the, the fire, please feel free to give us a call, and uh, we'd love to hear from you again, 443-9782-443-WSUB. Jonathan, let's talk a little bit about faith. All right. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is critical in pleasing God. Yes, it is. Now understand, true faith is not wishful thinking. No. True faith is not hope with no substance. True. All right? And true faith is not dependent on drama and miracles. You're right. Okay? True faith is a basic it's a way of life faith is not an emotion faith to me is a way of life it, the word literally means persuasion or credence or conviction or reliance when you have conviction about something there's a there's a there's an internal confidence that flows out from that 
That's what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Well, where and how do you get faith? Is, well, it, is it taught? I think it's taught. How do we know? Let's look in the scriptures. Romans 10, 14 to 17. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they were sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. See, so it says faith is taught. Mm-hmm. But I thought faith was a gift. Yeah, it is. <laughs> How do you know? Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So faith is taught, but it's a gift. But, but I, I, I thought it came through experience. Well, it does. Well, how do you know? <laughs> Matthew six twenty-seven through 33. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and morrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what withal shall we be clothed? For all, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For our Heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So faith does come through experience. Yes. And it is a gift. What a promise. What a great promise. Well, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. God will take care of you. Right. Boy, I like the sound of that. Me too. Because it's not God might take care of you. And if God gets around to it and he has time in his busy day, he may find a little bit of moment to take care of you. It's saying God will take care of you if you seek first the kingdom of God. So faith is taught. It is a gift. It comes through experience. And faith has to grow. It's not something that's stagnant. It's not something that you can you sort of like just miraculously get and then you have it. And a growing faith can produce a true hope. And that's what we're after here is true hope. We're not after a hope that's, that's just hoping against hope. We're after true hope. Why don't we read Matthew 14, verses 29 through 31. And this is a great scripture in relation to dealing with difficulties. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why, don't, why, do you, why did you doubt? So Peter is walking on the water. Now that's not something that's very natural, is it? And he's walking towards Jesus who is walking on the water. Right. And nobody else got out of the boat. So right. that was, str- I mean, he had the faith enough to get out of the boat and say, I'm going to do this and come to you. Well, it just, you know, like you, you often notice he's impetuous. Yes. So right. his, he's, he's impetuously driven immediately by the response of his face, and he gets out there and goes, What, what am I in doing? In the world that I do. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me think about this for a second. And, and see, that, that is, it, but it is a, such a great example because it talks about he, he, um, was walking toward Jesus, so he was looking at Jesus. He was, he, was watch, he was looking at his target. Jesus was his target. And when he began to look at 
the storm around him took his eye off the right. target. Suddenly, the realities that he was living and walking through miraculously became overwhelming mm. because he was no longer looking at where he was going, mm. but rather looking down and around and, and, and then was engulfed in fear. What a great lesson that is for us. Especially in a time like we're, we're dealing with, with such a tragedy. Yes. We, if we keep our eye on the target, then we can have hope and deliverance through that hope. And that's what we're trying to get to on this program this morning. This is Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUB. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUB with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject, When Tragedy Strikes, Where is God? And this program is being dedicated to Mel and his family for uh, his loss and the tragedy at the nightclub in Rhode Island. To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUB. Jonathan, we've been talking about we're getting to hope. Hope is really built on true faith. So let's go just a couple more scriptures on faith before we begin to focus on hope. Luke 17, verses 5 and 6. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Wow. Did you ever see a mustard seed? It's so small. It is a teeny... It's like a poppy seed yeah, almost. It's a teeny tiny little thing. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, if you... Now, is he saying if you have just this little tiny speck of faith? No. no. I think what he's saying is, if you've ever seen a mustard tree... Oh. It's a large, large strong, tree... yes. ...that grows out of this teeny tiny little seed. So mm-hmm. I think what Jesus is saying is, if you have a faith that has growth potential... Amazing things can happen as a result yes. of that. How about First Peter 5, 7 through 9? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So it talks about resisting steadfast in the faith. The faith being your 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 um, semblance of of belief, so faith is an important factor in building hope. And remember, we talked about that with First Corinthians thirteen thirteen earlier, which said, "And now faith, hope, and love abide; these three, but the greatest of these is love." So we're looking at faith as kind of a as the groundwork. Out of faith, you build hope. Out of true faith. Now, hope, Jonathan. There's there's two different kinds of hope. Okay. There's one. There's there's an immature hope. Let me give you some examples. I hope Santa brings me what I want for Christmas. I hope God gives me what I want out of life. All right? Those are hope without substance. Gotcha. Just kind of, and they're more fantasy than, than hope. Wishes. Right, wishes. That's a, that's a good way to put it. And then there's a more mature hope. A care, for instance, after carefully tending my garden, I have hope that the vegetables will be plentiful. That's a hope that's based on something. Or after I study the Bible, I hope that God... Uh, I, I have hope that God has a plan for the world of mankind. I have that hope because I've seen the evidence of it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the end result yet, but I've seen the evidence to hope towards. Those are the kinds, this mature hope is the kind that fills your heart with a real, true, excited anticipation that's well founded on faith in something real. So 
getting to hope to what it really means is I think it is important. It's not something that's flimsy. It's not something that is just an emotion. It is truly based on on on, on what we see as reality. And and the faith that we're talking about is is a Bible-based faith. And Rick, I just wanted to mention um I was my, my wife and I were sharing with Mel's wife uh, the last uh, day or so and um we were talking and sharing with her and and she basically brought out that you know I I don't I'm not mad at God cuz things happen for a reason and right now I need to hold on to hope and um I need to I need God right now in my life and what an example um that is to me to hear those words um that she shared and hope is so critically important and we have hopefully we hopefully we've been we've been talking about a lot of scriptures that that are pointing us to a real hope not something that's fabricated or fantasized but a real hope founded in scripture and we have a we have a piece of music coming up that i think exemplifies the hope that we're talking about and again this is something that's probably familiar to you all this is the uh, the Lord's Prayer by listen, Sandy Patty. Listen to the words and the hope as a result of these words.
Again, that's the Lord's Prayer. That's found in Matthew chapter 6. And it's interesting, Jonathan, in, in that Lord's Prayer, some of the words that I don't know that we think about as often as we ought to are when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray and he says, um, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's from the King James Version. And think about what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying he's teaching his disciples to pray and he's teaching them to pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth. Not in heaven, on earth. Now, let me just ask you just a basic question. On earth as it's already done in right. heaven. So would Jesus be teaching his disciples to pray for something that's not going to happen? I don't think so. I know <laughs> not. That's, I know that's not the case. So Jesus is saying we're praying for God's kingdom to come on this earth and God's will to be done. Now, have we seen God's kingdom on the earth yet? No. no. I can't find it. <laughs> it's pretty. I think it would be pretty obvious when it's, when it's here. Have we seen God's will done on the earth? No. Nope. So that's something that he's teaching them to pray for that gives them hope. Because that hope is, is so much bigger. God's kingdom, God's will are so much bigger than the sin and sorrow that, are, that surround us now. See, that's what hope is all about. And that's why I think that prayer is, is such a, a great example of what hope truly is all about. The word hope in the New Testament, Jonathan, uh, comes from a couple of different words. It means to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation, or to expect or confide. So, so there's, there, hope means expectation. There, you're, I mean, there's an anticipation. You're, you're looking forward to something. Let's read through some scriptures that talk about hope. All right. Uh, Romans 5, uh, verses 2, 4, and 5. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And patience, experience, and experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. See, hope makes us not ashamed. Sometimes being a Christian it can be an embarrassing thing because you're different. You have a different set of standards. And what this is saying... Hope, our hope, what what Christianity truly means, makes us unashamed of what we are, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing to be able to 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 stand up to. How about Romans eight twenty four and twenty five? For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So, and that's a, a a real simple concept. If you if you already see it, you don't have to hope for it because it's there. Right. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is, like Sean said, already done in heaven. That is a hope. That is something to look forward to. Because mm-hmm. that kingdom is going to be populated. Oh yes. And it's got to be populated with somebody. I vote for all the families of the earth. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we hope for that? Because the scripture tells us that. We'll get to that a little bit later. A few other scriptures on hope, Jonathan. All right, First Peter one eighteen to twenty one. For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, for your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God and raised 
him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. See, there you have it, faith and hope together. Why should it be in God? Because God did such miraculous things with Jesus. That's right. And Jesus gave his life as that perfect ransom sacrifice. Having hope gives trust, peace, and reliance. And goodness knows we need trust, oh. peace, and reliance right now. Yes, absolutely. So let's go through a few, especially some, some psalm scriptures that just talk about the meaning of hope. Psalm 71, verse 5. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. So having God as our hope is a really important thing because, I mean, think about it. What better place could you put your hope mm-hmm. than in God himself? Psalms 119, 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Now, again, the word hope there is not something that's... that's Wishful. Right, right. I can't. That's a good word. It's, it's not. It's not. I'm, I'm wishing your word is right. I said, my hope is in your word, meaning my anticipation and trust is in your word. Right. Because remember that Isaiah scripture from the first hour. Yes. When God says it, God does it. It's it. That's that. No questions. You got it. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob from his help for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Okay, so it makes you happy. This kind of hope can bring happiness to you, and that's an important factor in life. Because Seeing our loved ones again in the future that aren't with us, wow. I mean, that, that, that's, that's fantastic. That's something great it to is. hope for. How about Jeremiah 17:7? Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Isn't there a theme that keeps running through these scriptures? trusting in the Lord and having your hope in the Lord. And again, it's not some wishy-washy, flimsy antis- uh, uh, wish. This is true anticipation. See, this is the kind of hope that says, I hope the sun rises in the morning. I have hope. You, 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 because you know what's going to happen. That's, it's, it's based on a faith that's built on, a, that on, on, on fact. See, you build your faith on fact and then your hope on that faith, and then it's really something. It's hope built on commitment. Right. It's God's commitment that we know we can trust. And if God makes a commitment, I should say that you can be pretty sure it's going to happen. Yes, it will. Uh, how about Romans 15, verses 12 to 13? And again, Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that ye may abound in hope. I mean, when you abound in something, it's a big deal. It's not having a little trickle of hope flowing, there, dribbling in. This is, this is a rush of hope through the power of, the, of God's Spirit. What's really cool about this scripture is that the Apostle Paul is giving a reason for believing the commitment on God's part is true. Yeah. He's quoting a prophecy from the Old Testament scriptures, he's saying, look, this has been fulfilled. Right. He's saying this is, this is evidence that you can hope further right. because you have concrete evidence that something already happened. And there's loads of those kinds of prophecies in the Old Testament. That's why we can have the kind of hope that we're talking about. Read that Philippians 1.20, Jonathan. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that all, with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So, 
according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Again, it's in my anticipation that I will stand firm. Why? Because his faith was so strong, he could anticipate standing firm on that faith. That's what true hope is. And and, and go, go down to, because we need to get to a break soon, that Exodus 33. And that's verse 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Now there's a scripture with hope. That's for sure. And also Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's a scripture that provides hope because we're, we're, we're relying on the firmness of the word of God. So as we wrap up this segment, how is your hope? Hopefully, it's based on true faith. This is Jonathan and Rick with Christian Questions on 980 WSUB. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Christian Questions on 980 WSUB with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this segment, When Tragedy Strikes, Where is God? To be a part of our program, call 443-9782-443-WSUB. And this program is being dedicated to... Mel and his family and all those families that have lost loved ones or loved ones that are injured in the hospitals right now, our prayers go out to them and, and our hearts do. And Jonathan, we're talking about hope and what a, what a great uh, idea to have hope as part of our lives because hope is, uh, it, it makes us move forward. Hope gives us something to look for tomorrow. And hope, true hope, and that anticipation is built on faith. And faith and hope give us courage. In Second Corinthians verse t- chapter 12, verses 9 to 10, it says, And he said unto me, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak... Then am I strong. And what a key phrase. When I am weak, all that is, is that's a, that's a reason to rely on the power of Christ rather than my own. That's for sure. It's a reason to rely on the grace of God. And, and Jonathan, I have a quote, just a really short little one-liner that uh, we used on the program years ago. And I, I just love this quote. I think it fits so well in the situation we're in. It says, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And folks, I imagine a lot of you are at the end of your rope where you feel like you are. And all I can tell you is, tie a knot and hang on. And as we proceed through our program, our last question is, what is God's plan in all of this mess and all of this tragedy? And I will tell you that the purpose of, of, of this permission of evil is to give humankind an unforgettable first-hand experience with evil. It's for the purpose of teaching humankind the disastrous results of life without God as its center. It's for the purpose of teaching the consequences of disobedience to God's direction. It is for the purpose of showing humankind the sinfulness of sin so that we may never, ever wish to go back to such a way of life. And as, as difficult as all that is, we still need to, to, to inject hope into one another's lives and Jonathan, we have another piece of music here that we want to uh, um, put out uh, in dedication to Mel and to his family.
friend Mel, can you tell us where he's gone? He helped a lot of people and it seemed he died so young. You know, we just looked around and he's gone. Is everybody here? We'll miss our old friend Mel. It's hard to realize that he's gone. He was loved by a lot of people and it seemed he died so young. We just looked around and he's gone. Does anybody here know our old friend Mel? Can you tell us where he's gone? He helped lots of people and it seemed he died so young. You know, we just looked around and he's gone. Didn't he love his wife and children? Didn't he try to find some good in you and me? And now he's free. Someday soon it's gonna be One day everybody here Will see our old friend Mel God has promised in his word Thy kingdom come, thy will be done To bless the families of the earth all the families of the earth. Folks, I don't know if you knew Jonathan had it in him, but he certainly does. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, that's for Mel. That's for his family. And again, that's for those people who've suffered loss uh, this past week. Tremendous loss. Very, very, very difficult loss. So what is God's plan in all of this? God's plan is to put back what was lost. That's God's plan. And, and Jonathan, in your, in your new words to that song, you brought up the uh, part of the Lord's Prayer we were just talking about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. That's what God's plan is. So let's take the, the rest of our program and go through, we're not going to have time to go through all of the scriptures on this because this is a, a lengthy explanation, but let's lay out why we, Jonathan, you and I, and, and Sean, sitting here in the studio, have such a focused and, and firm hope. I mean, we, we absolutely are, I, I think I can speak for all of us, are totally convicted that the plan of God is going to happen, and that the plan of God has a happy ending, and that the plan of God includes every human being to ever live. That's right. And this is why. First of all, let's, let's start at the beginning and, and kind of whiz through this in the next ten minutes. I don't know if we can. We're going to try. Humankind was created, given the rules, and disobeyed. And we find that in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, God gives the, the command, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the, in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, let, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, what ended up happening is man didn't obey. So in Genesis 3, 23 and 24, what happened? Therefore the Lord sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed him the east of the Garden of Eden, cherubs and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. 
So man was thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Now the consequence for Adam's disobedience was that in Romans 3.23 it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's right. So every one of us has had a disadvantage in life. We were born in sin. There's no getting away from it. That's what Psalm 51.5 says. Born in sin and I was shapen in iniquity. Right. That's who we are. And there was a downward path that followed after Adam and Eve were thrown out of that garden. That's right. Genesis 6, 5 through 6. And God saw the wickedness of man was on the earth and that every imagination of thought of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. So in this downward pathway... There was some destruction to follow, but there was also reward for obedience. And in Genesis 6, 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that, um, the, the threat of mankind can continue. Time goes on, and now God is working with Abraham. That's right. And God gives Abraham an, an amazing promise that is a reward for obedience. And that's found in Genesis 22:15 to 18. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sands of the seashore. And as the, uh, thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So the reward for obedience to Abraham is that his seed, his, his posterity, would bless all the nations of the earth. Doesn't this sound familiar like the Lord's Prayer? That's Thy right. will be done on earth like the sands of the seashore, and in heaven like the stars. You know, it's just a perfect uh, harmony there. And so, so we've got this, now, and we said earlier in the program, when God makes a promise, God fulfills that promise. Right. You can count on it. So as time moves forward in history, Abraham is blessed and given this incredible promise. Well, Jesus came and fulfilled that promise by being the seed of, a, of right. Abraham. That's right. In Romans five eighteen and 19, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto all men, unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So Jesus comes, and it says that just as by the offense of one, and that one was Adam, and the offense was his sin, mm -hmm. judgment, judgment of sin and death, came on to all his family. And we see that every day. Yes. Just exactly the same way. Now, did do do we do anything special to get that sin and death? We're just born, right? That's right. We couldn't do anything about it. So exactly the same way as that came upon everyone, whether they like it or not. Whether you like it or not, the free gift comes upon all men unto the justification of life through the ransom of Jesus. So we're going to get life again, and there's nothing we can do about it? That's right. Whether you want it or not, you're faced with having the price for sin paid for you in advance. It's already been done. It's wow. been done. It's, al it's already there. But see, Jesus, even though he paid that price, he was still subject to the same rules of obedience. See, obedience is kind of the, 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 one of the, the, the factors that comes up through God's plan over and mm -hmm. over and over. Hebrews 5.8 says, Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he experienced. So Jesus had to obey 
the will of God in order to be faithful to provide that um, that ransom. Interesting thing, also alongside of that, there true Christians are part of that seed of Abraham. Remember the seed of Abraham that was going to bless all the families of the earth? Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be found in... Galatians 3. Okay, 26 through 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you has been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it says you are heirs according to the promise, you're Abraham's seed. And that's directly linked back to that promise to Abraham. Which will bless all the families of the earth. So true Christians are going to, are called to be blessing all the rest of the families of the earth. They're not going to be on, in the clouds playing harps. Right. They're going to be doing work. But the, the, the point is that the, all, the, all the families of the earth get blessed. That's right. And it says in 1 Timothy 4.10, it says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. See, that's why it says Savior of all men, mm-hmm. but especially of those that believe, because those that believe have a special job to do later. And 1 John 2.2, 2, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we have that promise that those true Christians that live a life of sacrifice are going to be part of the blessing of all of mankind because of the ransom of Jesus. Wow. So what's the end result of that? And, and, and folks, th- this is the, this, y- you don't get better than what we're going to talk about right now. These are prophecies in the Old Testament that describe what the world is going to be like. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Listen to this. Isaiah 35, verses 5 to 10. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. From the wilderness shall break, waters break out, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons, which each lay, shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it's called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, no ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sorrow and sighing flee away. The eyes of the blind being opened, the ears of the deaf being unstopped. This is a time of miracles, Jonathan. It's not now, but it's coming. It is. Why is it coming? Because it says so in the scriptures, and when God says it, it's done. Period. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-four. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Just think about what that means. Everyone will know God. Read Zephaniah 3.9. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Read Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Folks, these are, these are prophecies. These are things that are going to happen. This is a description this of the future. This is what you have hope in. This is why we have so much hope.
But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among many people. Just real quickly, I want to get in before we end up. Revelation 21, 1-4, Julius alluded to it earlier. He said, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth were passed away. And I, John, saw a new city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now understand, what this is saying is that sorrow and tears and death are former things. They will be passed away because the kingdom of God will be here. All will have been resurrected to life because of Jesus. That, my friend, is what this program is all about. And that is why we have such hope.